0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 589, coming to you on the 23rd of February, the year of our Lord, 2024. Today is just going to be a series of updates for the weekend, uh, hopefully something short and pithy to give you some time to enjoy. And once again, the algorithm is having lots of fun at... <laughs> My and your expense. So, let me remind you the best way you can help us overcome that problem is to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Every like, every share, every following, subscription, it all makes a huge difference. Join me. That's the thing that helps us get the job done, that helps us uh, spread the word. And look, I don't expect you all to agree with everything that I say all the time but I try and be fair and objective on everything and speak the truth as I understand it. And certainly, uh, that means occasion I can get some things wrong. <laughs> Not often, but it does happen. In any case, for your reminding, uh, for, to, as a friendly reminder, let's put it that way. I have a page in a group over at Facebook. I drop in over at me, we, and gab and, Oh, by the way, my stuff is still up at YouTube. Anyway, here we go on with the program. So in case, in case it hasn't become abundantly clear, uh, war is big business. Uh, wars. Well, maybe, maybe sometime in the past served a purpose and got us a good solution. Uh, lately they just seem to be getting a lot of people dead. Uh, There's no strategic value or outcomes that seem to be coming about because of them. Only more dead bodies and more money gets flushed through the system, which just adds to our massive debt. So I will not say that I oppose all war all the time. I will say that I have yet to see a war where there's been a net positive for the United States in my lifetime. I'm certain that, you know, people want to argue about various things in the past, Uh, but if you want to talk about anything since uh, Vietnam forward, I'm all ears. Tell tell me where there was a significant win or a net positive to the United States as a result of what happened. And I'll even give you the Cold War if you're willing to include the way we handled it after it was over. All right. uh, So that's issue number one, right? And for for those of you that doubt me, you know, there's the meme, there's the push, there's this zeitgeist that civil war is coming, that we should embrace civil war, we should be open to a civil war, to which I say, no, 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 I'll take a hard pass on that. I'm all about peacefully separating. I'm all about peaceful solutions. Um, If you come after my family, you know, uh, the peace goes out the door, but By and large, if you mind your P's and Q's, we'll get along just fine, even if we don't agree. I'm a firm believer of uh, the idea that you can agree, to disagree, and you can disagree without being disagreeable. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes it's not attainable with certain folks. I know some of those folks that can be a very... Oh boy, I can't... Let's just say they, they can be very challenging to deal with. How about that? And I'm sure some people think that about me. And you know what? That's okay. It's part of uh, part of this sphere, right? We, we have the influences within our sphere and we have to be careful to cultivate that with positive affirmation, positive outcome, positive desires. If we dwell in a negative all the time, it just begets more negativity. And Lord knows we got plenty of that in our world today. So that being the case, going along with war is spending, right? So I think the number I heard was $34 trillion worth of debt. I'm not really sure how anybody thinks we can still pay that off. I'm not sure why anybody thinks it's a good idea to keep pretending we can pay it off. I'm not sure why we keep spending all this money that we don't have and pretend that we have it and everybody just seems to be a okay with it. Now, I know there's a number of commitments that were made. I know there's a lot of expenses that we've taken on that we can't exactly do anything about, but I just think as our nation continues to follow they they've, uh, well, we'll talk about the military here a little bit later, but uh, we've put ourselves in such a situation that we're really not going to have any other choice at the, at the, uh, end of the scenario here, we're either going to completely collapse our currency and have to repudiate our debt, or we're going to lose our government and still end up repudiating our debt. And I imagine at this point in time, there are, let's say international followers or international lenders or borrowers or um, other countries or quite frankly, even people within this country that have already figured this all out. They know what's going to happen. And they're playing the shell game until the very end, trying to eke out that last penny, that last dime or nickel that they can out of the American public before everything collapses. Now, as we look at the election that looms upon us, We're in the primary right now, but the election proper comes in November. We're going to be given two contrasting ideals, right? Neither of which is going to legitimately fix the problems. They can't be fixed at this point. How do you deal with $34 trillion worth of debt? How do you deal with being stretched over the entirety of the globe with military bases that you can't possibly arm or protect any longer? How do you deal with... The idea that we think we should be global cop and nobody should question us because, well, we said so. I don't believe there's any solutions. Not left to that. Not the way things are now. I I believe there are no solutions to maintain the status quo. Does that mean there are no solutions, period? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you cannot expect for things to stay the way they are for much longer. Quite frankly, I'm surprised that we were able to make it this long, this far, with as reckless as our leaders have been, that we still exist in a uh, recognizable form. It's, It's incredible to me, but here we are. Now, I know this is supposed to be pithy. I know it's supposed to be upbeat, and I do have some positive things to add at the end but I, I'm trying to give you an accurate description of how I see things. There is debt that we can never, ever pay off. There is economic consequences that will never be fully felt. There is strategic alliances and let's say, military uh, responsibilities that we can't ever uphold. Being stretched so thin, being so far underwater, It's a a wonder that we continue to function as we do, but we do. Now, this could be, you know, as a result of a number of factors. Most of those are way above my pay grade and beyond my understanding. But suffice it to say, that's where we're at. And while I'm not necessarily scared, it is concerning. It is something that you should be paying attention to. It's something that we're going to need to deal with. And the quickest way to get there is just understand that we can't fix D.C. There are no solutions for D.C. We cannot fix what the federal government has done to us, slash for us. We can't fix what the federal government, the powers that be, have done to the rest of the world, including our own country. It's never, ever going to be fixable. There's no way we can turn the dial back. There's no way we can prevent what's going to happen. It, and I don't know what it is. I, I really, I wish I had some level of confidence that this is what's going to happen and this is what the results are going to be. And it varies from a little bump in the road to utter catastrophe. And it could be just a slow roll, right? It takes a couple hundred years to fully implode. Or it could be a catastrophic single event. I don't know. It could be failure from within. I mean, it's not lost on me. The massive quantities of people that are here that have zero interest in being part of our country, most of whom uh, have come over probably for no good, sponsored by the Chinese in one way, shape or form. That's not lost on me. What does that mean? How is that going to play out? I don't know. Maybe there's a unplanned satellite that deploys over uh, central United States, you know, like a state like Kansas or something, and something happens that we just can't explain, and boom. There it goes. If you thought it was inconvenient or problematic to have your cell phone down yesterday, Excuse me for a few hours. What do you think it's going to be like when that happens? On let's call it a semi permanent situational, hmm? Well, or or maybe it's just 70% of the phones that go down, maybe it's you know two thirds of the networks that crash and burn. I, I don't know, but what I can tell you is you ought to be really concerned. I don't know what that plays out. To be, I don't know what it looks like. I mean, there's tons of fiction out there, right? <laughs> Whether it's uh, movies, TV, books, novels, graphic novels, comic books, uh, there's any number of ideas of what the apocalypse or a post-apocalyptic world looks like. The idea of Tewatkanie has been around forever. I mean, Prepper Fiction was born out of this. You know, what are the things that you can do? What are the things that you need to do? And while that makes for very interesting reading and it's very informative and educational, I'm not sure that we understand just how odd the scenario is. You know, I've often heard about the Roman Empire. You know, it didn't just collapse overnight. It's not like when Babylon collapsed, right? It took a process. Yeah, they sacked Rome in AD 66 or whatever it was. But Rome didn't fall for another four or 500 years. And then after that, the uh, Greek-centric Eastern Roman Empire went on until at least the 1400s another 800 years to 1,000 years. Again, depending on who you're talking to and how they want to define it and account it. So what does that mean for these United States? I mean, the simplest solution is, through the course of a national divorce, there's some kind of repudiation of the debt, and each state or group of states goes at at their own, and they try and kind of reset things to what benefits their state, they put their own state first, you know, AKA Texas first, but I don't think we're going to be allowed to do that. At least not without consequences, but everybody that's observing has got to wonder how is this going to be taken care of? What are you going to do? The, the, there is no turning back. There is not a proper solution. And even in my perfect world where Texas sails off into the sunset becomes its own nation and turns in its own Renaissance or whatever you want to call it. The reality is that's not likely to happen. So what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, funny you should ask. In the remaining five to ten minutes here, let me just say all of this is pure speculation. There's no way to know for sure what's going to happen. So you, one, have to keep working like nothing's wrong. Because you have to deal with and address the things as the world operates now. You have to move forward in the world as it is and accept it as it is and do what you need to do in the world as it is. While you're doing that, this is where it can kind of interesting, right? We need to be working on in building these parallel economies, these parallel solutions. Now, I know this is a thing, you know, from the quote unquote Christian nationalist side or even just the people over at Gab or just. People that are on the outs with, uh, let's call it the federal society, they've been acknowledging that they don't want us to be part of it. They, they don't want us involved. With, that's okay. We're going to take them up on it. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to build these parallel systems. We're going to build a parallel society. We're going to be able to take care of ourselves, our friends, our family, our allies. So it seems to me the simplest thing that you can do is you can't fix what's been broken beyond repair, but you can help create something to replace it. That requires that you continue to work in the world as it is and enjoy what's left of civilization, if you will, all the while you're working towards a future, an unknown future, a a future that can't necessarily be planned, but it can be planned for. It can be built out. It can be designed to some degree to improve the resilience to improve the ability to function after things change and if it's a slow rolling destruction you know all of the roman empire or at least the eastern empire there are ways that you can do that and draw it out and build it and become stronger in the absence of the fed gov but if it goes full on disaster in a single night like babylon collapsing although I'm not entirely certain that's exactly how it plays out, but certainly it appeared that way to the leader in Babylon, right? One day he's in charge having parties and the next day he's being judged. But what does that look like for us for here and now? The answer is I don't really know. The answer is that we accept the world that we're in. We acknowledge the world to come And we function and do what we need to do to survive in the current culture, the current government, the current situation, all the while building and expecting the replacement to follow, being prepared and building for. I mean, what other choice do we have? Now, here's where it gets interesting. That's going to mean something different for each and every person. I mean, look. There are preppers out there that they're, they've they got this all worked out six ways to Sunday how this is going to work. Yeah, that's great. Uh, they can provide for their own family. That's even better. I'm not in that boat. I'm not saying they're wrong. I, I'm just not there. That being said, there are the other, let's call them separatists. I don't like the term, but we're just saying they're all about the parallel economy. They're all about the parallel functionality. I think they've got a much better way of looking at it and that we we accept what we have, we work with what we have, but all the while we're building its replacement, the thing that'll stand when the others collapse. And when and if we get kicked out of the civil society as it's currently understood, we have this there. We're going to continue to do business. We're going to continue to look after our family, our friends, our church, right? Their resilience, the the, uh, ability to be, anti-fragile. Now there's plenty of books on this. There's a lot of people that have spent far more time dwelling on these ideas, these ideals. There's all sorts of plans and frameworks and all that stuff out there. And I would encourage you go find it. it. It's fascinating. I've scratched the surface on it myself in my personal life, right? In my real life, if you will. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it in my podcast because it's it's kind of beyond my realm. It's kind of beyond my breadth of experience. I want to focus on these things at a local, statewide situation, advocate for the things that are important, and acknowledge where we're at and what's left and what we can still do while we still exist in our current form. But in the back of my head, I keep thinking about, well, yeah, but that might not last. I mean, it might be six months. It might be six years. Heck, it might go 60 years and I never see it. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't be working and looking at these other things. So again, for you, that might be different. Maybe maybe you're, you've you got money to invest. Okay. Let's start a school. Let's start a semi-independent community somewhere. Let Let's build out or take over a county... <laughs> boy, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Let's graft ourselves into a county government somewhere and, and take part in that county's government and improve the county and want, or they will want for us to lead and do a good job for them. Not really take over, but create a symbiotic relationship. How about that? That sounds a little more, uh, Net positive, right? Symbiotic relationship, both sides benefit as opposed to a parasitic relationship, which is what D.C. has on all the rest of the other states, right? They're parasites and they're bleeding us dry. While we're looking at that, I mean, talk about communities, talk about independent companies, talking about independent media. I mean, that's what I do right now. I do independent media. I'm not sure how this plays out if and when YouTube finally pulls the plug. If and when, you know, Podbean or um, Spotify decide I'm uh, persona non grata. I mean, look, there's Rumble. Okay. The idea is I don't want to go hide in the bubble. I don't want to be part of an echo chamber. I want to engage in ideas. I throw this out there for the general public. Now, I know the vast majority of the people listening to me, they're going to agree in principle on probably a very high percentage. They might disagree on practical application or you know the various applications of different ideals even but as a general rule they're going to be mostly in agreement but they're also in my bubble they're also in my sphere of existence i'm hoping that some people outside of that sphere will hear me they'll hear the show and understand that while we understand some of you are our legit enemy most of you out there we're not your enemy. We want the same kind of things. We see many of the same problems that you see. Now we have different solutions. We believe our solutions are better. We know historically most of the solutions that the left has tried really end up poorly for all the people that have invested in it. So we want to offer options. We want to work with you. And when we build out these parallel societies, these parallel governments, these parallel uh, corporations, the parallel schooling parallel press, parallel banking system. We're going to continue to function and do what we can to survive and move on. We're going to accept that you don't want us in the clown world, right? But we need to do these things now. We need to do these things while it's still just a cold war. You don't want a hot war. You don't want to deal with a hot war. That's the whole thing, you know, Civil War, whether it's inevitable or not, the longer we can push it off, the longer we can delay it, the better it is for all of us. I mean, just think about this for a second. Uh, Matt Bracken, an author, uh, wrote something called the Civil War Two Cube. He's got three primary things that affect what it's going to be like, what the, I guess the level of intensity of a hot civil war is going to be around you or perhaps the likelihood of how hot it's going to be around you. And and again, some of it's speculation, but you should read this. Go look it up. Civil War 2 Cube. It's eye-opening. You know, I heard somebody say that, you know, if the civil war ever devolves to a point where they or I'm sorry, if the United States ever devolves into a point where they actually have a hot civil war, you're going to be looking at Rwanda times the Balkans. I mean, just think about that. We created this false pluralistic society that we live in now. When I say false is they keep selling us on the idea that we're all Americans. But if we're all Americans, then why is it a pluralistic society? I mean, as an American, yes, you can have different ideas in politics, and I guess to a degree you can have different conceptions of who God is, but if you're still clinging to where you came from is that's a better way. The question naturally would be, well, why are you here then? If you're still clinging to some odd form of government that makes its existence possible by um, oppressing others again, why are you here? I mean, you can play the oppression Olympics games and you can say that everybody's oppressed to some degree. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. But at least In the idealized republic, every man's a king and they can't be oppressed. And, you know, we're supposed to respect and protect the rights of the minority and the smallest minority is the individual. That's what's supposed to happen, but that's not really working out all the well for us, is it? Case in point, what's going on in D.C., right? You know, everybody's got their own little adaptation and approach that they want to use, and that's great. I don't have any gripes about anybody that's looking for an alternative form of this, that, or the other thing. I think we need to be open-minded and accept all of that. But if you're going to build something that's parallel, you're going to have to accept that somebody's going to disagree with you 5 or 10% of the time. You're going to have to understand that not everybody perfectly aligns with you, even if they go to the same church as you do. You cannot toss them aside and see them as an enemy. You need them. We need allies. We need bodies. We need people to be on our team. And now we're back to where we've begun. You need to be clear on who the enemy is. And yes, I believe there are enemies. I believe we, the American Republic, have enemies. Some of which call themselves Americans. And we need to know how to identify them and what we're doing, willing to do to defeat them. Now, some people think that, well, it can be done by words. Some people think it can be done by writing a good book or a really good white paper. You'll defeat their ideas in the, in the marketplace of ideals. Well, maybe, kind of, sort of. But here's the thing. Public education, government indoctrination however you want to phrase it, has been working against us for at least 60 plus years at this point. I would say going all the way back to its inception, but even if I'm being uber generous, at least since the 1962 Supreme Court decision or opinion, if you prefer. They've been working against us and they've been ramping it up time after time after time. And if the government schools wasn't bad enough, it was pretty much every college has been captured. And then they captured the seminaries and then the teachers colleges were in the mix of this. Right. They own all of this. And then look at the press. Look at the news media. All this has been angled against us. This is why it is so important that we create these parallel situations, these parallel economies, for lack of a better word, the just remove ourselves from the people that hate us. Now, maybe some are saying, well, that kind of almost sounds like the Benedict option. Well, I guess maybe, but I look at it as survival. We're not leaving society. We're acknowledging society left us. And oh, by the way, we have our own society and we're going to keep doing what we need to do. We're going to look after our family, our friends, and we're going to do what's best. It'd be nice to say we don't need you, but the reality is we do need everybody. We need to at least agree that those guys are the bad guys. And then even at the grander scale, say we have a national divorce, say we've got semi-independent countries that are formed out of these United States. These United States need to at least act in concert that. No, we don't want the Chinese to come here and take over. No. And again, look, these are farcical ideas really at this point, but we don't want the Russians to come here and take over New England, although I would say at this point in time, um, they probably have more in common with the old Bolsheviks than the current Russian leaders. But that that being said, in the event that somebody should actually be fearful of that, I would like to believe that the people in California, or at the very least Nevada, would say, yeah, we don't want any part of that. We're going to align with Texas or Oklahoma or whatever. We're, we're not going to want the same things in our individual states or groups of states but we realize we don't want them here they're a bigger threat than those other people are we have a lot more in common than we have apart but we've got again 60 plus years of the world being turned upside down sexual freedom is defined by being able to kill babies in the womb sexual freedom has been defined even further out by what's a woman Sexual freedom has been defined even further still by, well, I can be a man and turn into a woman or vice versa. And how do you defend this? If you reject all that is normal, all that is natural, and God Almighty, you reject that as well. How do you possibly define that for these folks? I'd suggest to you that maybe it's not worth the time. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you just set the standard and live your life and they see that what we're doing works so much better that they want to be like us. Because once upon a time, that's the way we thought and behaved. But we handed over our children for generations to people that thought we were the problem. I'm not sure what the course of recovery is, but I do know that I'm confident of this, that we can't fix what's going on in D.C., I have my doubts about Austin, but I know D.C. is not fixable. So that means we have to do things on our own. We have to do things apart from the federal national government. We have to make the best decisions for us right here, right now. We have to put Texas first. These are all doable. These are things that we can take action right here, right now, to make that change. Even if it's just incremental, every day, do something a little bit more. And that's ending on a positive note there, folks. And with that, this has been According to Callous, and I will see you on the other side.